My name is Will DeFreeze, and this is the Sunday Scaries Podcast, your cure for the Sunday blues. On this week's episode, we're going to talk about the 10 commandments of group dinners, becoming a morning person, and celery juice. When it comes to surviving even the scariest of Sundays, comfort is paramount. I have my staples. Joggers, a couch I probably spend too much time on, and a jazz playlist that took hours to put together. But it wasn't until a package arrived at my door that I knew I needed to add something else to my Sunday rotation. A gravity blanket. I ordered the 20 pound blanket in space gray, and honestly, I had no idea how much it would actually change the trajectory of my Sunday afternoon. It's like a hug, but in blanket form. Soft yet stable, it comes with me whether I'm watching soccer on the couch or a rom-com in bed. It's been so well received in my apartment that my girlfriend has actually asked if she can sleep under it every single night since we've gotten it, and I'm pretty sure she hasn't slept this soundly in months, if not years. Whether it's someone on the couch next to you or a dog huddled up at your side, seeking comfort and company on Sunday is essential, and gravity blankets will do just that, all while leaving you well rested for the week ahead. Right now, if you go to gravityblankets.com, you can get 15% off of your order using promo code SCARIES at checkout. Again, that's gravityblankets.com and promo code SCARIES for 15% off of your order. As always, I've put the info in the description of this very episode. Another week, another health trend. Being a month into the new year, most people have all but forgotten about their resolutions by now. I know I have. And while New Year's resolutions kind of make everyone a little insufferable, there's no denying that January has to be one of the healthier months of the year considering everyone's hesitation to eat and drink everything in sight like they did during the holidays. One of the most interesting trends that emerged this January was kind of a bizarre one. Celery juice. And really, it's exactly as it sounds. Celery that's been put through a juicer and strained for consumption. The benefits, as several lifestyle bloggers from far and wide will tout, seem pretty legitimate. It neutralizes and flushes toxins out of your liver, aids those with acid reflux, fights autoimmune disease, helps eradicate strep bacteria, reduces bloating, among many more. But the more this trend caught on, the more actual science emerged and rendered it fairly useless. Everyone from the Atlantic to the New York Post decided to pile on and weigh in. There's nothing remarkable about celery juice, Abby Langer, a registered dietitian based in Toronto, told the New York Post. She even went as far as to call it the epitome of bullshit pseudoscience. And The Atlantic went one step further by simply titling their piece, Actually, you can just drink some water. Low in vitamins and actual nutritional value, celery juice isn't healthier than actual celery. As far as hydration goes, they continued, Most of celery juice's proponents cite solid celery's 95% water composition as a way of providing the juice version's promise. Regular water is 100% water. So yeah, not too much different than actually drinking a glass of water. Where'd this all start, you ask? Well, unsurprisingly, a man named Anthony Williams who wrote a column about celery juice for a website I've long joked about on this very podcast, Goop. He advises you to drink it first thing in the morning, but he doesn't really have much proof behind it. In fact, he doesn't really have any scientific or nutritional training at all. The Atlantic noted that he even once said that he claims, quote, a spirit he's been in contact with since childhood has given him knowledge, 
of health and wellness beyond what science can confirm. Uh, yeah, okay. As old school as it may sound, all the celery juice naysayers are correct. You might as well just drink a bunch of water instead, especially when you're in between drinks out at the bars, but that may serve a different purpose than what celery juice is actually intended for in the first place. You turn in Thirsty Thursdays for episodes of Modern Family on Hulu. Sunday fun day is spent trying to, well, do anything but drink. And unfortunately, your days of going out Friday and Saturday back to back just kind of disappear. You're getting older, and by all means, that's okay. Whether you're limiting your nights out because of two-day hangovers or what feels like a continuously empty bank account, you have to pick and choose the nights where you really let loose. Everyone's settled down, maybe even married. And that means one thing and one thing only. Your Friday nights are about to get taken over by group dinners. And these are the Ten Commandments for those group dinners. The first, thou shall pick a reasonably priced restaurant, barring special occasions. You have to pick a restaurant where everyone can get on board with. We're talking sub $10 drinks and entrees that range anywhere between $14 to $28 max. Of course, if it's someone's birthday dinner, you're probably going to break the bank at some place you never would have chosen yourself. But unless someone's celebrating a major life event or getting engaged, slow your roll and keep it reasonably priced for the sake of that dude in your squad who's still living paycheck to paycheck. The second, thou shall show up on time. Every group of friends has their cast of characters who shows up late to everything, and group dinners are just no place for that. Showing up on time is not just the right thing to do, but the noble thing to do. If you have a reservation, your waitress doesn't have to wait around for the entire party to arrive so that she can start taking drink orders. And if you don't have a reservation, there's going to be one person trying to time it perfectly so they don't have to wait in the bar for 45 minutes with everyone else. When it comes to restaurants, timeliness is next to godliness. Remember that. The third, thou shall not add people at the last minute. No one cares that your buddy's third cousin twice removed just got into town. Finding a place that will sit 8 to 10 people on any given weekend night is hard enough. And it's even harder when you start mixing in people that none of us have ever heard of. If they aren't in the group text when the plans get hatched in the first place, they're going to have to meet you out after dinner instead. Number four, thou shall not order anything extravagant without confirming with the rest of the group. Unless you're planning on paying out of pocket for a $150 bottle of wine, don't burn the rest of the group with it. Not everyone went to Napa and enrolled in some sommelier classes last winter, so not everyone wants to pay sommelier prices. Don't order the seafood tower without first getting approval from everyone who's eventually going to be putting a chase sapphire in at the end of the night. It's just the right thing to do. Fifth, thou shall not sit as if you're attending a middle school dance. You know what I mean. Boys at one end and girls at the other. We're all mature enough that we can have civil conversations with members of the opposite sex. It's 2019. I'm not saying we need to go boy, girl, boy, girl, but we can at least mix it up and talk to someone we rarely have a conversation with. Variety is the spice of life, and you're not going out on a group dinner to talk to the same people you talk to day in and day out. Number six, thou shall not power drink. Keeping pace is the name of the game. I'm not saying you shouldn't get blasted, but just make sure that you're on the same level as the rest of the group when it comes to firing down cocktails. We don't need each of our tabs elevated by 10 bucks just because you had a rough week at work and decided to tie one on with some top shelf bourbon. Number seven, thou shall order a mid-tier item on the menu. 
This is the same principle as power drinking. Just because there's a double barrel lobster tail on the menu doesn't mean you need to be firing back Maine's finest while someone at the other end of the table is picking away at their side salad. While you know everyone's going to split the tab down the middle at the end of the night, making everyone fund your black truffle mashed potatoes and 46 ounce ribeye is just kind of rude. You and I both know that you can just get by with something a tad more reasonable. Number eight, thou shall not force everyone to go out after. If someone wants to call it a night at 10 o'clock when your waiter's finally done running six different credit cards, let them go home without the guilt. One monkey won't stop the show, so just plow ahead with the crew that's still assembled. They'll feel bad enough about themselves when they see your late night Instagram stories, so don't cause a scene because someone wants to call it quits. They probably didn't want to go to the dinner in the first place, so just spare them. Ninth, respect thy waiter. As a former waiter myself, I know two things about group dinners. The first is that your tip is going to be large, and that's great. But the second is that it's going to be an absolute circus. Every time they come back to the table with a round of drinks, someone always says, you know what, I'll actually do another one too. Whenever they're bringing out 10 different entrees, they're scrambling in the bag trying to make sure they got it all right. Have some sympathy, have some situational awareness, and order another drink before you finish the one sitting in front of you. It'll make you both happy. And finally, and most importantly, thou shall split the bill evenly, no matter the circumstances. Grab the check, throw in one card per couple, and hand it over to your waiter without thinking twice. If there are two single people at the table, they're officially a platonic couple who can work it out through Venmo. Someone trying to throw in cash because they only had the chicken and maybe one drink? Sorry, but your cash isn't good here. If your friend Rachel came at the last minute and only had one glass of wine? Guess what? Rachel just got a free glass of wine because making her pay for an entire dinner simply isn't fair. Good for Rachel. When I was younger, far before I had the distraction of just scrolling my iPhone right when I woke up, I remember just lying in bed in silence. I'd stare at the ceiling, I'd think about what I'd do that day, the girls I had crushes on, and I normally had a song stuck in my head, probably from the FIFA 99 soundtrack. I could never really sleep in, but I definitely wasn't intentionally getting up early. As I grew up a bit, I began to understand how good it felt to spend the morning in bed. Whether I was nursing a hangover at the age of 20 or simply avoiding responsibility on the weekend, sleeping in simply became part of my routine. But what I soon learned was that just because something is a part of your routine doesn't make it a healthy habit. As I neared 30, I started to feel as though I was wasting my time being in bed past 8 o'clock. While I didn't necessarily want to get up at 6.45 every day like I did Monday through Friday, sitting idly in bed after 8 gave me this weird feeling of wastefulness. I was letting the day pass me by. I was becoming lazy. I was lazy, so I made the decision. I had to become a morning person. You can't sugarcoat it. Becoming a morning person sucks. It takes you out of your comfort zone, it leaves you groggy, and it takes a while before it becomes the norm. But what I did was actually fairly simple. The first thing was set an alarm no matter the day, but more importantly, a reasonable alarm. I've long subscribed to hitting the snooze button as hard as anyone, but all it did was make my last hour of sleep absolutely miserable. Because weekends are when I thought being a morning person would really benefit me, I set the reasonable alarm of 7.45 every morning. If I hit the snooze button once, I can still be up before 8. And because of my dedication to the cause, I banned myself from ever hitting it twice. As the first 30 years of my life taught me, snoozing is a slippery slope. The second change I made, and again, this is especially important on weekends, 
is getting directly into the shower. The dirtier I feel, the less productive I feel. And more importantly than actual cleanliness, showering helps me wake up faster than the coffee I make afterward. While not for everyone, I began taking cold showers to get my blood flowing a bit. This habit starts off especially brutal, but it eventually begins to feel somewhat soothing. What I found was that if I loafed around the house in my pajamas, I fell into the same habits as I did when I wasn't a morning person. I remained lethargic, I'd often get back into bed, and I would always end up leaving the house later than I originally intended to. Yet another method I implemented was one of the simplest ones yet, refusing to use curtains. By letting a little light into your life, you naturally begin to rise earlier than you'd think. The less dark it is, the less melatonin your brain makes, and the more your brain tells you to wake up. As much as you want blackout curtains that shield you from the real world, it's absolutely essential to rise with the sun, I promise. But not every measure you have to take to become a morning person involves the actual morning. Take napping, for example. I know that especially on Sundays, people love to nap. I, for one, have never been a big napper, so removing them from my life wasn't a huge revelation. But if you can resist the urge to nap, you're much more likely to fall asleep earlier at night, thus allowing your body to wake up earlier in the morning. I'm not proud to go to bed at 10 o'clock every night, but I am proud to be up and at him before most of my friends. And if all else fails, just get a puppy or start watching the English Premier League. Those will force you out of bed earlier than you could ever imagine. I promise. The right hire can make a huge impact on your business. I can speak from experience when I say that the right person in place can not only make your day-to-day -day easier, but it can make your business thrive. About five years ago, I hired a photo editor that saved me hours and hours of editing despite the fact that I could have simply done it myself. But instead of spending late nights at the office, I knew I had someone who could do it faster, better, and even cheaper than myself. That's why it's so important to find the right person. But where do you find them? You can post a job on a job board and hope the right person will find your job, but think about it. How often do you hang out on job boards? Don't leave finding someone great to chance when you can post your job at a place where people go every day to make connections, grow in their career, and discover job opportunities. LinkedIn. Most LinkedIn members haven't recently visited the top job boards, but nine out of 10 members are open to new opportunities. And with 70% of the US workforce on LinkedIn, posting on LinkedIn is the best way to get your job opportunity in front of the right people people who are qualified for your role and ready for something new. It's the best way to find a person who will help grow your business and why a new hire is made every 10 seconds using LinkedIn. Hurry to linkedin.com slash scaries and get $50 off your first job post. That's linkedin.com slash scaries for $50 off your first job post. linkedin.com slash scaries. And yes, terms and conditions do apply. For all this info, look no further than the description of this episode. If you liked what you heard today, make sure to subscribe, review, or tell a hungover friend in need about this podcast. By subscribing, you guarantee that each and every episode gets delivered directly to your phone every Sunday morning. You can also follow along on Twitter, which is at SundayScaries, and Instagram, which is at Sunday.Scaries. Or you can follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at WillDefreeze. And remember, always trim the wicks on your scented candles. See you next Sunday.